May I speak to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Before being ordained a priest in the Episcopal Church, you are required to undergo a psychological evaluation. And when I arrived at my first appointment several years ago, I was expecting to analyze Warshark ink blots and tell someone my life story. Instead, the therapist handed me a personality test with 567 true or false questions and told me to be sure to shut the door on my way out. To this day, I remember only one of those 567 questions, and it went something like this. True or false? You have crossed the street to avoid meeting someone you know. Now this question felt like a trap, in part because I knew the test was designed to test your truthfulness, and I wanted to deny having ever done such a thing. Crossing the street to avoid someone doesn't sound very priestly, after all. But the truth was, I had done it, and while I wasn't proud, I ultimately decided this behavior wasn't evidence of a fundamental character flaw. Perhaps it was simply evidence of my being human. It turns out that perhaps I was right. In one study I found, more than 75% of those surveyed admitted that they had done the same thing at some point. And if the passage we just heard is any indication, our biblical ancestors were guilty of this behavior too. This neighbor-avoiding, street-crossing behavior is on full display in the periton of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, this is arguably one of the best-known stories in the entire Bible. How do we know this? Well, Good Samaritan has become universal shorthand for a charitable or helpful person. But there's a downside to a story becoming this well-known. The peril of such familiarity is that the story ceases to surprise us. We stop listening intently because we think we already know the moral of the story. And in the case of the parable of the Good Samaritan, the widely accepted moral goes something like this. The priest and the Levite are the bad guys because they failed to keep the commandment to love their neighbor. Good Christians should identify with the Good Samaritan who kept God's law by loving his neighbor. Now, this is a surface-level take on the parable, but parables are like onions. They have multiple layers of meaning. And to tap into their full power to transform us, we should look for meaning that resides below the surface, too. So how might we peel back a layer to find deeper meaning in this beloved parable? Well, let's start with this question. For whom in this story do you feel pity? The scriptures say the Good Samaritan was moved with pity for the man lying half dead on the side of the road. Other translations say he felt compassion the inference being that we should be moved with pity and compassion for this poor man too. And, indeed, we should. But I wonder, 
can we also feel pity and compassion for the priest and the Levite, the ones who did such a lousy job of loving their neighbor? By ignoring the wounded stranger, it's true that they endangered his life. But by crossing the road and passing by, the priest and the Levite endangered their own lives as well. Remember why Jesus tells this parable in the first place. He tells it in response to this question. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This parable is not just a morality tale. It is a guidepost to eternal life. By crossing the road and passing on by, the priest and the Levite don't just neglect the commandment to love their neighbor. They deprive themselves of the precious gift of eternal life. And for that, they are certainly to be pitied. How often do we deprive ourselves of this very same gift? Now, when I say eternal life, you're probably thinking of life that continues after death, life that never ends. And that is what eternal life is, but not all that it is. The biblical concept of eternal life isn't just about the quantity of life. It also describes the quality of life. The eternal life Jesus points us to is a life of fullness, depth, and incredible richness a life that shares in the very quality of God's life, a life of selfless identification with those on the margins, a life of generosity, reconciliation, and wholeness. And this eternal life, it is a gift we can enjoy today, a gift that can be ours in this life, And my friends, that is incredibly good news on this fifth Sunday of Pentecost in the year 2022. In the midst of this broken, pandemic-plagued, polarized world, this very morning, Jesus is using this ancient story to point us to eternal life, a gift that isn't just waiting for us on the other side of death, a gift that is ours for the taking now. So how do we obtain this gift? Well, to start, we walk the path of the Good Samaritan, the one who resisted the fear-based impulse to cross the road and instead walked into the wounded man's pain and suffering as if it were his very own. What might it look like for us in this community to walk this path. Well, just this week, I received an invitation for St. Paul's to join a prison pen pal ministry, a ministry of cultivating friendships with incarcerated men through regular correspondence, a ministry that affirms the inmates' dignity and mitigates the terrible isolation they experience. Most of us could go our whole lives without ever thinking about life inside a prison, Perhaps the invitation to form such friendships is an invitation to inherit eternal life. Another example, right now a small group of St. Paul's parishioners is exploring a program to sponsor an asylum seeker. 
someone fleeing dangerous conditions in their homeland to find safe haven here in this country. It's a daunting project, one that would demand a lot of us. But this opportunity to show compassion to a neighbor in need, this too is an invitation to inherit eternal life. These are only a couple examples of how we might walk the path of the Good Samaritan, but there are countless ways for us to seek eternal life through the shared ministry of loving our neighbor. It's exciting to imagine the possibilities we could explore together. Now, this is not an easy path to walk, to be sure, and the pandemic has made it that much harder. Time and again over these last two years, we've been asked to distance ourselves from our neighbor for our very survival and for theirs. We're learning how to risk vulnerability and human connection again, and it's a constant negotiation. But the good news is that we don't have to figure it out on our own. We walk this path together. And this morning, as we do every Sunday, we'll tread the path to the altar together to be united in the sacrament to our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who refused to pass us by and instead offered us the gift of his very life. Having been nourished by this holy food, may we go out into the world to risk loving our neighbor and walking the path of the Good Samaritan. What we are sure to discover is nothing less than the gift of eternal life. Amen.